26th chapter, Acts 26. And uh, let me find my place here. Acts 26. As you're turning there, let's, let's go to the Lord once more. Father, I just thank you, all merciful God, Lord, for the grace and the goodness of your spirit. Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, we're not only not alone, we've never, you've never intended for us to be alone. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that you brought us into fellowship and that, Lord, we know where we are going. And Lord, we know, Lord, who is coming. And Lord, I just thank you tonight. I pray the anointing on your word, the anointing upon your, your son in service tonight. I pray in Jesus' name, let your will be done. Amen. Now, as we look here to God's Word, as we look in Acts 26, and we're going to start reading in verse 12, but let me just give you the backstory here. Paul has been arrested for preaching Jesus. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want that on your record? Okay, let's see, let's see Paul's rap sheet. Hey, man, what you in for? I'm in for preaching Jesus. What are you in for? Oh, petty theft. Okay. Tell me about this Jesus, and he would tell them, and they would get converted, and he would tell the, the guards, and they would get, they would become believers, and and we knew he could get out of prison because he and his, he and Barnabas was there in the, in in the midnight hour, begin to praise, and and they, there was a jailbreak, but we see here that he's been in prison because he's going to Jerusalem, to bring a witness for the Lord. He'd been in prison for two years, and now. Uh, we come to verse 12, and governor, he is going to stand before the governor of Rome, Festus, who is the successor of Felix, and also the king of Judah is there, King Agrippa. And so he is giving an account for the reason for his defense, and he begins with this story. Uh, I, I believe, church, we need to begin with our story, amen, our encounter with Christ. But I want you to look there in verse 12. It says, while thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus, he's telling this story, with authority and commissioned with the chief priest, he's telling them in verse 13, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me, and those who journeyed with me. Verse 14, and when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which you have seen and of the things which I have yet revealed to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now skip down to verse 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. 
Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both and almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. You almost convinced me. You almost persuaded me. Now, tonight I want to look at this passage of Scripture, and the title of tonight's message is Convinced. You know, in order to be convincing, we got to be convinced. In order to be persuasive, we got to be persuaded. In order that we may be believable, we got to believe. Amen? Now, what we see here is that Paul starts out giving his defense, basically telling that group, I started out with an argument. In other words, I had some religious training. I really was in the time of my life, uh, in just the measure of my understanding, I understood what I believed was right and that what I was doing was right. He was telling them, basically, I had an argument. But I want to say to you that we need to understand it has been said that a man with an argument is no match for a man with an experience. Leonard Ravenhill said it this way, a man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. A man who has an experience with God is not at the mercy of those who've had an argument. And I don't know if you realize or not, but we live in a day that we need more than an argument. We need an experience in the power and the presence and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't head knowledge that got me saved. It was an experience with the living God. Showing up to a church, though I'd been to church as a child, but when I showed up to church and the gifts began to manifest in the room, I don't know what everybody else was feeling, but what I was feeling is the hair standing up on the back of my head. I was having an experience. It was an experience. When I laid in my bed convicted by the Holy Spirit about the sin-sick condition that I was in person, and how that he was resting upon me and how that he brought me out of darkness uh, into light. It was that experience with God. It wasn't an argument. It was an experience with the Lord. We are living in a day, folks, where we need to pass on from one generation to the next. We need to ask the Lord to pour his spirit out. I want my children and my children's children's children to have an experience with God. And in that experience, they can go gain the knowledge that they need because the revelation of God is more important than the information. Because until information becomes revelation, it's not going to have any transformation. We need to move with the Spirit of the Lord. We need to move with the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but I'm thoroughly convinced that God wants to move upon our church, upon this city, upon this nation, upon this generation. I believe that our children need to have an experience of God. 
We've experienced it before, sitting in church, and every one of our children in children's church being laid out under the power of the Holy Ghost. One thing you got to know about kids, they don't fake it. Call the kids to the altar and every one of them weep under the power and the presence of God, having visions of the Lord. You've seen it. And if you hadn't, get ready because you will. Because the enemy is after our children. But let me tell you, he's no match for the God that we serve. Will not give up, let go. I refused. I am convinced. Paul was convinced. And thus he was convincing. He was convincing. Now, American historian John Hendrick Clark wrote this. To hold a people in oppression, you have to convince them first they are supposed to be oppressed. Did you hear that? To convince, to hold a people in oppression, you have to convince them first that they are supposed to be oppressed. I want to look at the other side of that. It's not a famous historian. It's just a lowly preacher. I say to hold a people in liberation, you must first convince them that they've been liberated. I, I want to see a convincing church because they are convinced that God has liberated us. And thus, we now have liberation and freedom in our life. As we look here to the word of the Lord, there was another statement that I heard this week that just I couldn't get away from it. I had another message prepared from last week, but it just, the Lord just began to speak first off that first statement I shared with you. In order for us to be convincing, we've got to be convinced. People are not interested in us sharing what we don't believe or half-heartedly believe. They're not interested in theories. They want to know what is your experience with this? How have you proven this? How do I know what you're saying is true? Most of us that have come into this house, that have came out of darkness into light, they only need to look at us and they know something's up. You're not who you were. You, you, you may have that same body, same name, same social security number, but there's something just a, a little bit different than it was before. You look like somebody who's convinced of what they believe. Authenticity of knowing. Jesus knock them on their heels. He just, he would come in there and they're like, ah, this man talked with authority. It's like he's convinced in what he's saying. He doesn't teach like the scribes and the, and the sad you sees. He, he talks with a little bit of authority. Not a little bit, but a lot. I think I believe what he's saying. Now as we look here, the second statement, I want you to get it in your spirit. God will work through me what he is to me. Isn't that good? I wish I would have brought that as an original statement, but I'm just glad I caught it when I did. God will work through me what he is to me. Now, Look there in verse, go back to verse 16. Well, back up a little bit further, verse 13. Paul began to tell them his story. 
He said in verse 13, I saw a light from heaven. And then in verse 18, the Bible tells us that Jesus commissioned him in order to turn them from darkness to light. So Jesus became Paul's light. Now God's going to work his light through him. When the Lord becomes your light, see, we talked about it two or three weeks ago, the son of righteousness, as Malachi called him, the S-U-N of righteousness with healing in his wings. Andrew had done a study on that, and healing in his wings literally means the ray or the reach of the sun. So wherever the sun, the S-O-N, as Malachi had called the S-U-N, wherever the rays would expand, that's where the righteousness of God would expand. Mm, Come on now, catch up. So now as we see, as far as the light of Jesus Christ is in us, that will be the reach that will go through us. Let me tell you what a dark, dark world filled with darkened understanding If righteousness is the divine approval and the divine acceptance and to be able to approach God without fear, without intimidation, or without insecurity, then unrighteousness, folks, is the direct opposite. People that are walking in unrighteousness, they're walking in darkened understanding. And what they do not know is that they are divinely accepted if they will accept Jesus Christ. But they're walking in rejection. They're walking in disapproval. And what they need is the light shining through you because the light is real to you. Until the light becomes real to you, it's not going to illuminate your city. But I believe there's a light. My God, there's a light. And it is coming down. Even in the midst of a darkened world, there will be light light in Goshen where the children of the living God are occupying when he becomes the light to me he will begin to be the light through me whatever he is to me that's what he'll do through me whatever he is to me that's what he'll do through me Let's see some indications here in God's Word. Notice here what he tells Paul. He said in verse 18, For rise and stand on your feet. Then knock to the ground. Oh, my God. You know what? I want the sinners. I want them to come in. I don't want to get comfortable. I want them to get so uncomfortable. I want them to walk to the altar and God knock them to the ground. By the glory of the Lord. I, I don't want, I am not going to be seeker sensitive. I'm going to be spirit sensitive. I want, the, I want the Lord to grab you by the neck of your neck and shake you around a little bit till all that junk falls off of you and out of you. Where you don't have a desire for anything but him. You don't want to go to that self-destructive behavior anymore. You don't give a rip about staying up late and cruising the internet. You don't care one thing about the gossip hotline. You don't give a hoot about what's going on. All you're concerned with is how close I can get to the Lord. 
and who else I can reach with him. I want every sinner in town. I don't care what your persuasion makes me no difference. What I want is the mold maker to come and break your mold and remake you into what you are supposed to be, an imager of God, and walk out of this place different than what you came. So go get your sinner family and friends and bring them in and stop worrying about whether the Holy Spirit is going to show up and blow up. In fact, let it be your prayer because it was this drunken, drug addict teenager that came into a Pentecostal service that God got a hold of me. And all of a sudden, I was like, this place is cool because God is in this house. I felt something I'd never felt before. So don't shrink down and crawl under the pew when, when sister so-and-so starts speaking in tongues. Brother so-and-so starts interpreting. Embrace it. You don't know that it might be the next pastor at Crossroads that's going to come along one day. Amen? You don't know when you're praying for those reveling teenagers living across the street from you that you might be praying for your next youth pastor for your children. Story for another moment. Notice here that he said, I appeared to you for this purpose. Paul, I've come down. You keep kicking against those inner goads. See, he's, he's raging against the church. There's a spirit raging against the church because people don't, they're kicking against that inner, that inner golding. They're, 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 they're riving, they're, they're running up against. God's convicting them. The Holy Spirit is at work. He, he is there tapping at their door. He's tapping at their door. And it's like them kicking against the goad in those inner goadings that just making them mad, so mad they want to kill. Jesus said, I'm tired of it. Because when you come against my child, you're coming against me. Jesus takes it personally. So he came down personally to get the lead perpetrator, persecutor against the church and said, I'm going to show you kingdom of darkness and all of the satanic forces. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your lead man and I'm going to make him my lead man. I'm going to take the worst one of your bunch. I'm going to take your five-star general, and I'm going to commission him from my side. So I appeared to you. My God, church, we need to begin to pray for an appearance of light. Not for the blessing. We're beyond. We're not even talking about. I'm not talking to a group of people. You people, are. you love God and you're passionate. You're passionate. I'm trying to get you one place and you're trying to push me further onto the next place. You know what I'm saying? You're not those that shrink back. You're ready to like, we're not shrinking back. We're bowing up. We're ready to go. The wagon's loaded. Let's get this thing on the road. I'm not talking to a people that are not ready to go. But what we need to begin to pray, church, strategically and purposely and expectantly is, God, I want you to reveal yourself for a purpose. Not a bless me club, but a purpose. 
I, I, I believe there's a purpose. There's a purposeful visitation that is here in our land today. That God is purposely going to visit churches. He is going to entrust those who he can trust with the kingdom of God. I believe that the Lord is moving. In fact, I'm convinced now more than ever that God is visiting for a purpose. Saul, you're going to be a minister and a witness. You're going to be a minister and a witness. See, when God becomes your purpose, he starts working his purpose through you. That's better than what I think we got. When he starts becoming our purpose, there's a world all around us, and what they're looking for is purpose. They're looking for purpose. They're, they're, they're seeking after fulfillment. They want to know, why am I here? That's the ultimate question. But see, when God has appeared to us, he, he's done so because he's got a purpose. It's purpose on purpose. He wants, he has a purpose for you and I. That's why he has brought us into the kingdom. He could have stuck us back there in some other heathen nation long years ago we could have been part of the Ninevites we could have been part of the Jebusites we could have been a, we could have been born in another time and another season but the Lord the God sovereign he decided that he purposely intended for you to be a part of the last day church so he's put you here and he's revealed to you that you have a purpose now let him be your purpose, and when he is your purpose, he'll start working purpose through you. Many times we want the gifts of God, but we don't want the responsibility of God. God gives his gifts, and he gives us responsibility with those gifts. And now if we will take the res our responsibility and begin to operate in that, then God not only is our purpose, now he starts working purpose through us. So what we see here is that whatever God is to me, he works through me. Whatever God is to me, he works through me. Now, I love this. I don't know if y'all picked up on this or not. Notice there in verse 17, he said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles. Do you see that? So what is he saying? I'm your deliverer. I'm your deliverer, so I'm your deliverer, I'm going to work deliverance through you. We got the theme, we got it going now, don't we? But I want you to notice something here. To whom I'm now sending you. I'm going to deliver you from the Jews and from the Gentiles. But I'm sending you into the lion's den. I'm sending you into that lion's den. I'm sending you to the ones that are going to try to beat you to death. Paul will be the one to testify. Yeah, I was stoned a few times. I was beaten. He had done something. 
There was enough conviction on his life and in his ministry that it so caused people to rail against him that they stoned him, thought he was dead, drug him out, and left him for dead, and then he would get up and go on to the next city. And sometimes he would get up and go back into the city because he was standing on a word from the Lord. He was standing on the Word of God. God had become his purpose. He had become his deliverance and thus his deliverer. And now he's going to work this deliverance through him. He had saw the light. Now he knew his mission, his goal, his intent, his purpose in life is now to go and deliver those from darkness. To go. See, he was convinced. I am confident in this one thing. That he that has begun a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Has God ever made you a promise about a purpose and a mission that he's put you on? And you went on that mission and all of a sudden you decided, well, wait a minute. I might have zigged when I should have zagged. I should have been over here and now I'm over there. Let me say to you today. This is what I have discovered in my journey with the Lord. It's never what I imagined. I was reading Naaman uh, the leper today. What a guy. We can't chastise him because we do the same thing. Here he's a mighty man, a warrior, a general uh, for his army, and he goes... Gets a word from, uh, from, the, from the prophet to show up to the house. And the prophet doesn't even walk out of the house. He said, Once you go down there to the Jordan and dip seven times, he's madder than a biting sow. <laughs> this is not what I had imagined. He was supposed to come out and he was supposed to wave his hand over me, over the infection. And if I go dip, why do I got to dip in that nasty Jordan where all those nasty Israelites go down there with their nasty cells and dip? I want to go over to the river of Damascus. <laughs> what was he talking? He was, he was professing his prejudice. He didn't want to go down to that Jordan. But oh, thank God for the servants. It was a servant that was no-named that actually gave the word that there was a prophet that could actually heal him. It was a servant had a no-name, was the one that told him, said, Look, if he asked you to do something hard, would you have done it? Yeah. Well, if he asked you to do something easy, why don't you do it? I know he's probably thinking in his heart, and the scriptures don't tell it. And I know sometimes we get in trouble embellishing. And I don't want to, this, this servant, I'm going to maybe hopefully talk to him one day. If he followed his name and his master, I, I believe he might be in heaven. But I don't know that that servant might have been thinking, come on, big boy, suck it up. <laughs> Why in the world you got to be so prideful? Just because you had this big grand thing and you're accustomed to all this pomp and ceremony, why don't you just go do what you've been told to do and let's get on with it? He goes to the river. The prophet told him to dip seven times. If he had dipped six and gone home, he would have gone home a, a dip six. But the seventh time, oh, he came up the sixth time. He was still a leper. 
But oh my God, when he went down that seventh time, there was an expectation that he was going to rise up. And on that seventh time, he got up out of that water and it was as if his mama just spanked his honey when he came out of the womb because his skin was better and smoother than any Jergens lotion could ever get him to. He was now at a place that he was healed. And it wasn't hard. It was just surrender. Whatever God is to you, he will be through you. He said, I'm going to make you. I love that. I'm going to make you. I love Isaiah 41 and 15. I don't have time to go into it tonight, but it was a passage that the Lord spoke to me years ago in a situation I was facing. He said, Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sled with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and make the hills like chaff. Mm. The Bible tells us that it's when he called his disciples, he told them, come follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. He told the, the one that was in the parables that was faithful over the little, he said, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. He said, you're going to know the truth, and I'm going to make you. That truth is going to make you free. You're not just going to have an argument about freedom. You're going to know you're free. In fact, your knower is going to know. And when you're free, you're not, you're not acting like you're in bondage anymore because you've been made free. You don't, when you come out of prison, you don't give your, your address as Huntsville anymore. Send the letters to XYZ 1444277 prisoner 32222 down in Huntsville, Texas. You're not living there anymore. That's not your address anymore. You are a new creature in Christ. And when you know the truth, you don't act like a prisoner anymore. And you don't go back to your jail cell anymore. You don't have a warden over you anymore. My God, you're just free. Free. So act free. I think free. I was out running. I've got to make a confession since Sunday. My watch lied to me. Probably just more like I misread it. But anyway, I didn't run. I ran my, route, my new route. Wasn't four miles. It was 12. No, it wasn't. No, it was <laughs> like three and a quarter. I don't think my hips had hold up to that. It was like three and a quarter. But as I was running, I came home, and I told Andrew, I said, the funniest thing. There's this woman on a bicycle. And she couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And she's got her earbuds in riding her bicycle, and she's got her phone in there, and she is as loud and as proud as she can. She's singing the praises of God. I mean, she doesn't care. She passed me. I thought she'd slow down and let up. No, she got louder. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And she's pedaling along. And then I'm, I'm still doing my, you know, my old man trot. Told you I ran, I didn't say how good it was. <laughs> then she came back the other way. Didn't bother a bit. 
She was still singing it loud and as proud and as much off-key as a person could get. And let me tell you, if I notice it's bad, it's bad. And she makes the corner. I could hear her all the way down the street. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. That woman's got some freedom right there. She doesn't care what anybody says. She just wants to worship God. Amen. See, because free people like free. Hmm? Maybe a little bit off to the, to the non-free persons. <laughs> but see, whatever God is to me, he will be through me. Now, I don't have time to finish all that I have. But he's our deliverer. He said, you're going to go out you're going to tell them that I have forgiven them of their sins. When he has become my forgiveness then he begins to work forgiveness through me. When I begin to understand uh, as he has called us, uh, as he is a blessing to us, uh, he said, you're going to tell them. Uh, there in the passage it tells us, uh, for this purpose you are a minister and a witness. In verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people. Verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. See, God is a, our blessing because he wants to work a blessing through us. Greater than the blessing of that of Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and all the world's going to be blessed. I become your blessing, and now the whole world is going to be blessed. I'm going to work blessing through you because you're a blessing. Flowing resource. Whatever God is to me, he'll be through me. I'm telling you, God has been a friend. And he's stuck closer than a brother. He's been a, a gracious Savior. And a loving father. In the, in the worst of tragedies, he's been there. I haven't always understood, but he's been there. I haven't always known what he's doing, but I trust him. I just trust him. Because he is trustworthy. I don't know why things happen the way things happen, but I trust him that he's got my back. He's got everything around me. So I put my trust in him. And if he becomes my trust, then he can work his trust through me. I jotted down a few things, and we're going to close with this. I believe that there are those who are in the room tonight and too often things of our, our mistakes and our failures and, and, and our shortcomings have limited us. But I'm convinced, as Abraham was convinced that God would withhold his promise to me. I will not mourn the opportunities I have lost. I will maximize the moments that are before me. I will not give life to the regrets of the past. 
I will live for the potential of future possibilities. I will not forfeit my future for fear of failure. I will step in the strength of my Savior. I will not define myself by Adam's image. I will declare I am the completed work of Christ. I am convinced that he is everything in our all in all. And I am convinced that he has purpose for you. Let me tell you what he's going to do. Tim, I'm going to share some of this tomorrow. He's going to take that situation and he's going to jab it down the devil's throat. I'm telling you, I know it. It's not going to... I'm telling you, there's nothing that goes unnoticed by our God. And he takes it personally. And I don't understand it. But I believe that every tragedy that you have experienced, God's going to use that for his glory, for his kingdom, and his power. And there's going to be souls that are going to come into the kingdom of God in unprecedented measures. I want you to stand if you're, if you're able tonight. Lift your hands before the Lord. Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The name that is above every single name, Lord. Father, we ask in the name of the Lord. That right now, Lord God, that you would bring a healing touch, Lord, upon the hearts of those that are here. Father, I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that right now, Lord God, oh, merciful God, mighty God, living Savior, glorious King, you are our healing. You are our deliverance. You are our hope. You are our joy. You are our purpose. You are our peace. Lord God, begin to work those things, Lord God, through us, Lord. Lord, you are mighty. Lord, you are holy. Come on, to begin to lift your hands and praise tonight. Lord, we surrender. We surrender. Lord, we surrender, Lord, to your healing tonight. Lord, Lord, we surrender, Lord, in this house. Lord, we will not give life to regrets. Lord God, we will not, Lord God, mourn, Father God, the failures, Lord, in the past. But, Lord God, we will step out. Lord God, if we did it, Lord, without you, Lord, we failed. And Lord, the only way we got it done was with you. For Lord, every credit goes to you. Father, we glorify your name. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, Father God, you are mighty. Father God, you are holy. Church, hear me. God has not given you up yet. Elijah, make your way up to the keyboard tonight. Elijah, make your way up tonight. Come on. I feel the glory of God in this house and praise him tonight. Let's just praise him tonight. Come on, church. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Whatever you're not, don't you love what the Lord told Saul? So told Paul, he said, Paul, look here. You're going to testify of what you've seen. But I'm going to show you some more things. 
I'm going to teach you things that you don't know. I'm going to make you into that sharp threshing instrument, that sleigh having teeth. And you're going to plow down the, the kingdoms. You're going to make the, the furrows in the ground. You're going to plant the seeds. In fact, I'm going to make you an author. You're going to write letters to the church, not just in your day, but 2,000 years later, they're still going to be reading your letters. They're still going to be reading your instructions given to you by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you right now, folks, let's don't give up, give up, give over, or let go of what God is doing tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Hallelujah. 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 I believe the Lord is saying to somebody tonight, I've not given up on you. I've not given up on the dreams that I have for you. I have more dreams for you. There are those of you tonight that you just need to the embrace of the Father. You're at a place that is hard and you don't understand. And you need God just to reach down and touch you. Just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. I don't, I don't want to. Just lift your hands tonight. Just let the Lord right now. Right now begin to minister to you right there where you're at. Come on, just begin to allow the glory of God just to overwhelm you tonight. I want to call you down and lay hands on you, but I, I feel the Father just saying, I, I just want I just want to minister to them right there where they're at. I just want to minister to them right there where they're at. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight. Blessed be to the Lord. He's given you strength. Come on, he's giving you strength right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Give God praise tonight, would you? Hallelujah.